welcome to another episode of the Temple of Queer Now. I'm your current host, Majesty Galactica. I always like to start off just where I'm at, take a couple breaths and ground into the space and the place that I currently am in the room, outside of this room, what's happening there, what country I'm in. Where am I sitting on planet Earth if I pulled myself up and above everything on top of the trees, the buildings, and even further up there and above the clouds and into the dark spaces and realms of the stars and then back down into my body, into my breath, (laughs) into life. (sighs) Yeah. Just sharing what's alive in me, what's real for me on this day, August uh, 17th, 2021, Um, at least for folks who are on this side of the world, it's August 17th. I think maybe now it's also August 17th on other sides of the world. I'm currently sitting in... The Netherlands, um, but my home country is the United States. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling feeling a lot of sadness right now in my heart and in my throat. I feel my throat is feeling a little bit tight, um, as I've been hearing about just all the. I don't know, power, control, greed, isolation, repression, oppression, uh, all the things that are happening over in Afghanistan. This thing around gender and suppressing, repressing the, the feminine, the goddess, the power, the the birth bringer <laughs> uh, i i'm just still in kind of shock that our consciousness as a collective human species hasn't shifted to this place of humility like the humaneness in us to see that we are all the same, all the same. We bleed the same blood. We feel the same feelings. We are born and die the same ways. Like what? So I lit a candle. I'm going to have it lit until it goes out. And I'm burning some sage that I picked and also some that I bought. Yeah, just sending out prayers to those who are really struggling right now and who are in great terror, fear, grief, anger, rage, isolation, loneliness, confusion. 
yeah I just want to put that out there and I just want to yeah I just I just want folks to know that this is going on if you're not already updated on this um I don't usually go on my phone to look these things up but my girlfriend brought this to my attention and it was really affecting her emotionally and um she asked if she could share so I said yes so this is this is coming to my attention um yeah it came to my attention last night so for those of you who don't know maybe you want to look it up on the internet and um yeah take a moment in your life um if you have the ability to listen to this podcast, you have privilege. <laughs> You're privileged enough to own a phone or a device, have resources to get that. Um, yeah, we have a lot of freedom. We have a lot of freedom in, in these first world countries um a lot of privilege that we do we take for granted every day so many things that we are so used to uh that we're born into very privileged to have these things and even in myself I struggle sometimes getting into that thinking around oh, you know, I need, I need to be doing this or making more of this. And, um, you know, oh, I only got that. I've only got that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm just bringing awareness to this really big um, collective privilege, first world peoples, yeah. We have a lot of privilege. Just want that to really sink in. Start looking around in your life and seeing what you really have. Giving gratitude and appreciation for all that you have every day. Just even one thing every day. Yeah, and know that you not everybody has this. And that brings me also back to this podcast, which is mixed in with gender. And at least for me, um, coming from the United States, the West Coast, um, it may seem like there's still a bit of imbalance with gender equality, but nothing, nothing compared to how it is in some places in the world you get killed for your gender. You're, you're assigned gender at birth that you are projected on. It doesn't matter if you're trans. You don't, have, you don't have space. There's no room for you. There's no space for you. So I want to really feel into that as, as someone who is from the West Coast in the United States and my privilege that I can walk down the street in my, in my queerness Visible, visible queerness in my, what I wear, the tattoos I have, tattoos. <laughs> yeah, very visible. I've got one on my neck. 
of a pentagram. It's a tattoo I got pretty recently. And there's no denying what it is. And it, it's on my neck. And it's big. <laughs> and there's moon cycles. And, you know, I got it very specifically for my paganism, my witchiness, my magic, my sex magic. I also got it for a dear friend that had died who was a radical fairy friend who's really near and dear to me. And yeah, um, to, to be an AFAB, assigned female at birth person, and be able to walk down the streets without being escorted by anybody, not have to worry about my safety and security. And I'm not, I'm not saying that all AFAB people don't worry about that in the United States, but for me, um, I, I don't go about my days worrying about whether or not I'm going to be targeted because I'm an AFAB person. Um, yeah, I'm very privileged. I'm very free to be me um, out in public on the west coast west coast of the united states so i'm just again really wanting to put that out there um as a reminder when i start to sort of feel inequalities and the lack mentality <laughs> yeah someone's always got it worse than you <laughs> Someone's always got it worse than you. I feel like that's that's definitely like a, a saying that I feel like my family, I kind of grew up with my some of my family saying that of like, you know, our lives may be not not so good or we don't really have that much money. But we we've someone else has always got it worse than me. Someone else has always got it worse than me. And again, that kind of sounds shitty, but I think you understand what I'm saying. So Anyways, um, I'm going to integrate, I'm going to shift gears here, and I would really like to pick from my tarot cards. I want to integrate in tarot cards into this podcast because I use tarot every single day um, just to kind of give me an, an energetic reading for the day for the relationships that I'm in. Um, I don't, I don't really use tarot cards for like, what is the future gonna hold? Like, I don't really feel like tarot cards, like that's what they're for. Um, they're very much for me at least. And what I've learned is that they're there to tell you what, what's going on right now. What's alive right now. What's the current energy. And for some reason, I've been picking like three cards with a love note um, after it. So like a love note or a summary to sort of summarize, kind of wrap it up, wrap it all together. What is this kind of all about in the end? So um, I'm not necessarily going to tell you about what each card means. Um, I mean, I might say a few words. Um but I, I'm not going to, like, read descriptions or anything. But uh, just to have some cards to sort of ponder on. So I'm going to choose from my uh, Way to Write deck. And I have this other one called the Shaman, Shaman's Oracle deck. 
um, that I got at a Native American gathering put, put on by Native American folks um, from tribes up in Washington State. Uh, yeah, and they had brought this ceremony to the sanctuary that I'm a part of. Um, it was their 20-year anniversary there, Naraya. At least how we were taught was it was four days um, around the Naraya tree. And we were taught some of the language, the native language and the native songs so that we can sing them during the night. So what happens is during the day we learn these songs and then there's amazing food being made and we're learning the songs and then the nighttime comes and we make sort of a big nest of beds and blankets and pillows for the children to lay around the base of the Naraya tree. There's a fire made and there's places for elders to sit and drummers and different people like that. Um, you're supposed to kind of dress in white. Um, and essentially we are in a huge circle um, shuffling to the left, singing these songs. There's about, mm, I would say, like two to four songs a night. Um, and we go in the circle until all the songs are done, but that sounds easy enough. But the thing is, is that when you start to conjure up this kind of flow and this kind of magic and you call in these spirits and these ancestors or, or what I like to call transistors, transistors um people tend to sort of get invoked by spirit spirit riding um and they'll kind of fall out of the circle or fall into the circle and the um elders and the people who've signed up to be supportive of these folks are there to blow tobacco on them and to put blankets on them and to get them to sit back next to the fire, come back into themselves. And so it's not until everybody's back in the circle that and all the songs can be done that we're done. So we, <laughs> we're shuffling sometimes until five in the morning. And then if you've got kids, it's a little hard to sleep during the day the next day. <laughs> but, you know, we all take turns. So... Anyways, long story short, uh, I got this car, this deck in particular at this little gathering. Um, yeah, Shaman's Oracle deck. So the first card that I am pulling is called the Ancestor of Illusion. And the next is the Hunter of Abundance. Spirit of Initiation. And the Spirit of Truth. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, this, I mean, I, I was kind of just picking this as, as a card for the energies that be. And I, I am reading into this as I'm recording this podcast because the ancestor of illusion for me really resonates. I think I've been in my head of, of what needs to be projected out into the world and why am I doing this podcast and just different things have came up. 
So sort of seeing this card, the ancestor of illusion, um, there's been a lot of illusions that I've sort of been allowing myself to fall victim to and not allowing myself to, to move forward with what I know I need to do, what I need to speak about. So yeah, we've got that. And then the hunter of abundance. Yeah, I've been hunting for some abundance. <laughs> and for me, that doesn't necessarily mean uh, money. Um, you know, there's, there's an abundance of knowledge in my being. There's abundance of sharing and caring and also just yeah i'm hunting for it like what is there what is there more than there is just material things um yeah hunter of abundance so we've got ancestors we've got hunters and we've got spirits there's also dancers in this deck is the other one and then there's shamans also but then we've got the spirit of initiation i very much feel that i feel like this is definitely part of my initiation like really stepping in and saying, yes, okay, I'm going to do this. And I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know how I'm going to sound. But this is what's coming through. And this is what's alive in me. And I'm just going to be here and speak my truth. Which is the next final card. Which is like what I call the love note. The spirit of truth. Being in the spirit of the truth. And what, what needs to be said um, as things shift in our worlds, uh, in our belief systems, in our collective consciousness. Um, what do I need to share? What truths do I need to share that are going to be really like valuable or like these little golden nuggets of um, truth? Yeah, things that really need to be spoken to that are going to resonate with people the most. Um, yeah, so that's cute. And let's see. Let me get my other deck. See what this deck has to say. Mm, just the cards. Okay. So the first card is this is the Eight of Wands, King of Cups. We've got another Wands. is seven of wands and the high priestess nice yeah um this deck is still it's not new to me but i'm 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 still trying to understand what each one means um i feel like the eight of wands it's all these wands just like through the air and behind it, there's just like a, a river and mountains. Um, it's a very spacious card. I remember kind of reading about there's a lot of space in between. A lot of opportunity. You've got the King of Cups. Just very much like flow, water. Um, yeah. Abundance. I feel like it's kind of like the abundance card. Um, the seven of wands is someone standing on a rock sort of defending themselves. So like defending what you believe in, um, going forth and 
again, it's like, yeah, it's a card of truth, really, really being truthful, showing up. Um, yeah, fighting for what you know to be true. And then you've got the high priestess, you know, holding it down. The ways of the moon and, and the, I mean, it's a, it's an AFAB person on this card, just like the goddess and the honoring, like we know what to be true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those are kind of my interpretations right now for the moment. Um, feel free to do your own research about what each one of these cards means, but that feels good for now. So yeah. Um, cool. Well, um, the first episode was me going into talking about the radical fairy culture that I've been a part of for about 17 years now. Um, in the last one, I sort of spoke about how I've pretty much just been like a gathering brat, which means that I have never lived on the land itself or the lands, the, the sanctuary spaces that I have been a part of. Um, I just came for like the high holidays, like Samhain and, and Beltane. So I wanted to continue on like what, what is radical fairy culture? Um, I'm trying to remember all the things that I had talked about before, but it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. So before I ended that podcast, um, some things had came up for me and what I remember about this culture. So one thing about radical fairy culture that I noticed very early on was that there was very much an openness for different relationship styles. It was my first introduction to polyamory or open relationships different rela- relating dynamics, like um, triads, like three people dating each other all at once. That's very much a part of radical fairy culture, is alternative styles beyond just monogamy. I mean, monogamy is fine. <laughs> I just believe that in radical fairy culture, I don't really think people believe it to be true, um, that that monogamy is the only way. Um, so yeah, there was just there's been a lot of different relationship styles. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I wrote down consensus. So in radical fairy culture, there is something that we use and it's called consensus um when we have meetings so when even during gatherings i feel like there's still a core land community holding it down and holding like a meeting you know to to discuss like maybe logistics what needs to happen on the land. Maybe there's something that broke and needs to be fixed. Um, you know, who's doing what meals throughout the week. Um, yeah, if the fridge needs to be cleaned out, um, who's going to drive 
the garbage and recycling to the garbage <clears throat> and recycling center, excuse me. And, uh, yeah, so there, there's like logistical meetings and, you know, and then there's bigger decision making meetings. So throughout all of these years, we've already been quite accustomed to Zoom meetings, which gives the members the ability to call in to the church. We're calling it the church. So the place that I've been going, it's, it's a collective uh, membership of a nonprofit church. This nonprofit church actually owns this land itself. Um, so it's like we actually all own it. I mean, you don't have to pay any dues. It's really easy to sign up to be a member of this church. But this has been the main church that has been overseeing most all of this. Um, and yeah, so it gives people the opportunity who don't go to the land each year or who don't live there to still be able to be a part of it, to still be able to plug in, to understand what decisions are being made um, on the land, for the land. Um, this in my opinion, has been a little chaotic because if you're not living on the land or you're not really relating with it, it's hard for you to really know and understand the intricate details of what needs to sort of happen. So if you're just calling in to have your opinion about something, you don't really have that. You don't have all the nuances that go into making decisions about something that you're not actually there physically and it's not really affecting you so it, it's gotten a bit tricky over the year there's been a lot of conversation about dismantling the church and, I don't know making it new I mean it needs an evolution it, it's evolving I'm not gonna go too deep into the politics of it right now but so anyways there's this church and um, all of the decisions are based on a consensus model and that means that um, yeah, if there's 10 people in the room and we're doing this sort of voting and eight people vote yes and two people vote no, then it's, it's a yes. So it's, it's a consensus. Most everybody has to come to this agreement that this is what it's going to be like. There's a consensus in the room. So that's how it's been done. And there, I think energetically, there's definitely been hierarchies. There's, there's a lot of different shifts going on with what we're calling different types of roles. There's like land stewards and temple keepers. Um, they're very much trying to figure out what that means. What do you need? What is what do you need to write about? Like you're supposed to have like a letter of intention now, and there's just like a lot more structure being made. Whereas before, in the history of the radical fairies, it was very much anarchist, very much this sort of independently done. You could just come to the sanctuary whenever you wanted. The gates were open. There was not very much gatekeeping. 
Um, you know, I had a friend tell me that when they used to caretake the land back in the day, early 90s, I think, uh, you know, people would just show up, give them a thousand dollars and like shoot up heroin in the parking lot. I mean, it was a sanctuary, right? So what do we do about that? You know, what do we do about that? It's, it's, it's this fine line of, of not being super overly controlling, but also understanding that like we still have these spaces to take care of and we want them to be able to continue on and have longevity and how do we create harmony for people wanting to live on the land more long term and not eat each other alive. That's what I've been seeing happen throughout the years because there's not structure and there's it's also not it's very rural like there's no jobs um so they've been recently talking about like a caretaker stipend some sort of money to be living on the land because yeah I mean there really is no jobs if even if you have like an online job I mean it's so fucking out there it's so rural that you the internet connection is really quite low. So that's always been a challenge um, within organizing itself. So yeah, so you've got the church, you've got the consensus, um, you've got the politics just like any other place. Um, I'm really hoping and praying that People will keep the message that this is a sanctuary and that not everybody in the world is safe to be queer, to be part of the LGBTQ family. And we have these places throughout the world that are safe for anybody who needs that safety to come to. I really hope that the people who are caretaking really hold that near and dear in their self and their being and their knowing of like this collective healing and that we need these spaces people need these spaces um gosh man i not to go so much into my personal life per se but um i just watched this netflix documentary called um pray away and it's about this organization exodus um conversion conversion christian based evangelical convert converting you to um heterosexism what's bad what's good still being labeled as bad you can get over this past this um damn yeah (laughs) yeah but that yeah so then there's people who were major major players and speakers of these organizations that totally totally never got over being gay and got outed and you know left left exodus i mean they they ended up shutting down exodus But that does not mean that there's still all of these other organizations that popped up that are still trying to say being homosexual is wrong. Um, Yeah, or that it's a lifestyle choice. 
And so there's all these people who are survivors of these programs. And so where are they to go? And I'm telling you, these sanctuaries need to be known. Like people need access to these. Like survivors of like LGBTQ correctional centers need a place to go. This is insane. So that just got me thinking, um, yeah, we just need so many more sanctuaries um, to be known and spread around the world, more being made. And they don't all have to be on huge pieces of land. I mean, they could be in collective buildings or houses. I mean, it's not that maybe so many, so many people can go, but it's also about... Um, you know, having these places be accessible in different parts of the world where maybe they're not so accessible, but it's still safe enough to have them be uh, existing. So yeah, just wanted to share a little bit about that. Um... When I first started going to the sanctuary, I felt very intimidated. Because radical fairy culture is definitely, it's different than muggle culture. It just is. It's more in alignment with what we prefer. How we prefer to live, to be free, to be naked, to be able to have sex wherever we want, to be able to express our feelings and not be shunned or shamed to have a container for them to yeah scream our heads off and not have someone think we're going mental and call the cops and arrest us I mean seriously you know to be able to be feral our animal selves to be out in the wilderness in the woods with the spirit um to be able to live in community, to have community, to commune, to be witches, right? To be witches and not be burned anymore. Um, to practice sacred sexuality and sex magic, uh, which is in alignment with um, BDSM and, and fetishes, to practice those things in safe consensual containers um you know during Samhain Samhain we've put together a big tent outside of the great circle the fire circle um we called it the sacred whore temple you know to be able to have and honor the sacred whores who are sacred healers <laughs> um who've also been very shunned and shamed from many different societies yet they still exist everywhere um doing incredible hard ass unseen work uh underpaid undervalued yep so yeah i was it was a lot you know it, it was a lot for me to come into and to really anchor in that this is possible to live this way I don't have to sign up or conform to what the muggle cultures are telling me I have to do. And that 
was exhilarating, exciting, scary as fuck. I'm really grateful for these places and spaces. Um, by the way, you might be hearing some sort of drilling. They're like tearing the sidewalk apart outside of the house. So yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's see. Yeah, so my point with that, with me first coming there and feeling intimidated was um, I felt most comfortable still in the sort of what I'll call domesticated ways of living. And I found myself wandering into the barn space, which was also like the big communal cooking area. And there are people there called the kitchen witches. And um, meals were very much, still are a huge part of gathering. Um, usually people will put money in. Um, I'll talk about the, the money thing really quick. Um, so there's something called not a fluff, which stands for nobody turned away for lack of funds. So you could always come there and you were always welcome to eat. You were never turned away if you didn't have money. I mean, if you literally just had a dollar to give to the kitchen, I mean, no one was gonna say anything. Um, you put it in this box called Wooda. Um, or, you know, nowadays we've got, uh, like Venmo and Cash App and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so no one was ever turned away for lack of funds. Um, give as you are able, but always give something. Um, you know, there's something also called reach around. So that's, you know, maybe like a work trade. Like what can you do to help support this gathering, this land, um, there's always something you can do. Even if you are um, disabled, able-bodied, it doesn't matter. There's always something that you can contribute. Um, so yeah, I would always find myself in the kitchen and I would always be doing the dishes. And that was such a beautiful way to meet other people because it was very grounding. We're together, we're doing dishes. Um, the kitchen witches would always ask at the beginning um, before the meal started if there was kitchen um, tops and kitchen bottoms so people who could help top the meals maybe come up with what kind of food we were going to make um, and gathering all those pieces and then the kitchen bottoms would happily cut, cut and prep the food, do dishes and things like that. So yeah. Uh, those people always got to eat first, but um, we would always have circles um, before every meal in the morning and lunch and dinner. They would ring like a big old church bell in the morning. They would have, um, yeah, morning circle. So you would come uh, for breakfast circle and everyone would get in one big circle so everybody could see each other. Um, you would say your name and everyone would, would repeat back your name. So I just remember some gatherings were about 200 people and hearing 200 people repeat your name back. Holy shit. Like, wow. Excitement, embarrassment, overwhelm, joy. <laughs> 
So you, you would have them repeat your name back to you. Um, then you would also let them know what your pronouns were. What are your preferred pronouns? Mine have shifted and changed throughout the years. Um, right now I'm leaning more towards he, but they or he are still my preferred pronouns. Um, yeah, so, and then maybe you would say one thing that you're grateful for, uh, and what are any of your access needs. So I talked about access needs in my other, um, episode and yeah, so access needs could be anything. Um, you need uh, a plate taken over to another cabin. Um, you need to eat first because you're diabetic and your blood sugar's low. Like whatever it is your access needs, you just need to let the circle know and then people can organize themselves and be supportive. So yeah, that was always morning circle. If there was announcements, if there was any announcements on the land, if there was any offerings, if if someone wanted to do a workshop. So it was just it was very much self-led. Um if anyone wanted to do a workshop, then they could and they can announce it. Um fairy time is not really like muggle time. We're not really watching the clocks. It's more based on ringing of a bell and getting as many people who were close enough to you to help you shout across the land to let them know what you were doing and where you would be meeting. So that is essentially how it was ran. Um, yeah, and then you would wash your hands. Of course, get in line, wash your hands. Um, dishwashers would eat first. Those with um, you know disabilities or some access needs would eat also um, first. Yeah, so meals were always such a beautiful portal. Um, a lot of times at night, they would have um, performances. A lot of drag queens would do their thing in the middle of the circle and kind of theatrics. And um, I just re really remember enjoying so many beautiful circles. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, circles, circles, circles. Another radical fairy value um, that's getting a little bit lost in translation and it's very concerning to me because this is really a huge foundation of radical fairy values, which is something called heart circles. And when I say that it's getting lost in translation, I'm saying that Recently, in the past couple years, Heart Circle has sort of been used as an emergency circle when some sort of event or conflict has arisen, then all of a sudden we need to call a Heart Circle. And that is absolutely not what it is. And I make up that the Heart Circle is actually being called for emergency purposes because the people aren't actively having heart circles in the way that they are are meant for um and there would probably be less emergency circles so we're removing the heart circle from the emergency circle 
um, or like that circle really ought to be called conflict resolution. So now we have all these circles. Like I said, when these Zoom meetings, um, there's there's rear, which is the conflict resolution. I think actually rear maybe isn't um, going anymore. <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember the acronym, like a reconciliation sort of circle. Um, yeah, there's been these different ones. Um, but heart circle, Heart circle is where you come to share what is alive for you in your heart and your mind, your body and your spirit. Um, it's like a talking circle. You can always pass. Um, but again, you come to this circle with the intention of sharing what is alive in you. What's going on in your life? What's the journey like to be you? Um, what's new in your life? Uh, what, are, what are some of your dreams, your desires? Um, just anything that you really want to share with others and what's alive with you. What's, what's your gratitudes? What's your sadnesses? What's your griefs? How's your family doing? So you get to talk and share, um, yeah, what, what's been going on with you emotionally? Um, and then at the end of it, you say, check when you're done. And most of the time there's some sort of talisman or object for you to hold like a talking stick circle style. Um, yeah. That feels good for now. <laughs>